Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. We are, as Jared said, we're, we're entering into a series for the next uh, three weeks. Um, and we're going to be, the series is entitled More Than Conquerors. Um, and it's, it's just an opportunity for us to uh, recalibrate, uh, as it were. We have been going morning services for almost six months. Can you believe it? Almost six months. It was the middle of March. So by the middle of, of, of September, it'll be three, six months already. How amazing is that? And in fact, Alini and I were just, you know, this week, it's been a year since we've been in Mansfield already. Time just flies on by, doesn't it? Um, and so this is an opportunity for us over these next three weeks um, just to, 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 to recalibrate, focus again. And I wanted to focus in on, on just a few things, uh, different aspects over these three weeks, um, looking at the topic more than conquerors. Uh, Romans eight thirty seven through 38, you probably know this verse very well. It says this, no, in all these things, in other words, in the good and in the bad, like Jared said this morning, um, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. Do we believe that? Yes. Yeah? as Christians here today. Um, in other words, we're, we're not just overcomers or conquerors, but we're overwhelming conquerors through Christ Jesus who, who strengthens us. You see, the enemy has been soundly defeated. Yes, we face difficulties and life throws us a few curveballs, but the victory is never in question. The final result is never in question, as we looked at and spoke about just a few weeks ago. And so um, the three areas that I just want to, to focus in on, uh, on these three, uh, three weeks are, are really areas that can so easily bog us down in our personal lives. But I, can I be bold enough to say also I, I believe in Arena Mansfield, areas that can so easily bog us down. You see, we say we're, we're more than conquerors, but somehow we get caught up in just these little daily things. And so hopefully this is a practical series where we can just uh, look at the importance of not getting bogged down and in some ways defeated, even though the end result is victory. We can so easily in the little daily things uh, become defeated. And, and so um, I, I trust that this is going to be an encouragement. I'll be speaking two weeks and, and Nathan is going to speak one week as well. So I'm really looking forward to an opportunity to, to hear Nathan on the 17th uh, as well. And um, well, really, um, the first topic that we're going to be talking about is, is the topic of comparison, conquering comparison. We all compare, don't we? We get bogged down in, in comparing ourselves, maybe comparing our church uh, to others. In fact, it's, we could probably all tell stories about times where we've been caught in comparison. Summer holidays would be one of them, I'm sure. We, we love our summer holiday and we had a great time in, in South Africa uh, this summer. But then you, 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 know, you flick onto your, your Facebook or your, your Instagram or whatever it is and you see, actually... Wow, there's people that, that had a lot posher summer holidays than us. We, ours was great, but, you know, I wish I could have done that. I w- wish I could have 
I had a five star. You know, maybe you guys got a four star, but someone else got a five star. I believe you can even get six, seven stars now. Yeah? Apparently, I think there's one in Dubai, which is seven stars. So, you know, there's always somebody with a better holiday, for example. There's always, when we've got kids, I mean, you know, Eleni and I have kids. There's always comparison between kids as well, isn't there? Yeah? You know, maybe your kid got got teeth at like two weeks old <laughs> or something like that and walked at, the, at three months old. You know, ours, ours, we had one quick walker and one slow walker. Max walked at 18 months. He just took for ages. But we always make these comparisons, don't we, between our kids and when they grow bigger. It's probably academic achievements and, and sporting achievements. And so we get caught into that comparison. I know that for me, the earliest uh, real impact in my life through comparison was, was when I was in high school. The first moment I really felt like um, looking at my life and looking at other lives and thinking, mine just doesn't match up. And um, my dad, for those of you that do know, he's a, he's a pastor, but he's also a medical doctor. So he, you know, being a medical doctor, um, you know, he sacrificed a lot of material blessings to actually go into church work, which is not... Uh, as well paid. And I remember in high school, I was blessed to go to a private school, um, which my parents couldn't afford, but God made a way. Uh, And so I had a great education, thank God. But I was pretty much the poorest kid in the school. Um, There was all these wealthy people uh, in the school, and there was two families, um, doctors, that were in the same class at the University of Cape Town as my dad. Um, And so they were two of like richest families in private practice, just had so much money. And here was I, this poor little missionary kid that never had anything that they had. And I remember at the time, to make it worse, the, one, the, the kid that I most compared closest to my age, he was called Stephen Roberts. And as you know, I'm Stephen Robbins. So there was Stephen Roberts, or Stephen Robbins, the, you know, the poor kid whose dad became a pastor um, or a missionary. And, and then there was Stephen Roberts, you know, lots of money. And, and um, we, we just, you know, we went to junior school together. We went to high school together. And I couldn't help. But as a teenager, look and compare. Because when you turn 16 in my day in, in, in Namibia, where I was in, in high school, the, the thing to do was to get a 50cc uh, motorcycle. And the really well-off kids would get their little 50cc motorcycle. And and so, you know, most of these guys got that and then a car at 17 or 18 as soon as they got their license. And, and well, there was me. Um, so, you know, I, I said, and I made this decision, I'm not going to be a pastor because I'm not going to put my kids through what, they, what, what I went through. And, uh, well, there you go. Here I stand. Um, pastor's not the best paid job in the world. Anyway, so the comparison, I got bogged down in that as a high school kid, and, and, and it's so easy, not just in our youth and our immaturity, but in our adulthood as well, to be get caught in that comparison, uh, comparing ourselves with others. Um, and I'm sure you guys could probably tell some good and funny stories about that as well. But I want to look at a, a passage of Scripture Because ultimately we're not here just to hear Stephen um, tell stories. We're here to look at the Word of God. Uh, And uh, and so we're going to look at a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 18, um, verses 1 through 9. And, and, you know, I was just really encouraged that Jared shared 
um, in our pre-service prayer and today, you know, Psalms, a little bit about David, because I'm, I'm looking at the life of David today, and can I just say that's not an accident, that's Jared hearing from God, and, and it's just kind of lined up perfectly, he didn't know what I was speaking on, um, and so I'm encouraged for that, Jared, um, but we're going to look at the life of David, and, and the context of this passage, just so you know, David had, had just killed Goliath, you know, all of us, most of us know that story in the previous chapter. Um, so he'd gone from being nobody uh, to being a national hero just within the space of, of a few uh, hours and days. And, and picking up in verse 1, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation, um, it says this, After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. And there was immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. And from that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. And verse 5, whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made David a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed with the people and Saul's officers alike. So David really was, was becoming extremely popular, um, popular with the people, a, a war hero. Um, everything was going well. Saul loved David too. Um, and then it says this in verse 6, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul and they sang and they danced with joy with, for joy with tambourines and cymbals. And this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his tens of thousands. Comparison. And what, verse 8, this made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with tens of thousands, and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. And so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And if we read further on, I'm not going to read the rest of the scripture and the rest of the passage because it's quite a long section. Um, but really, Saul and David's relationship went from bad to worse at that point. Um, basically, uh, eventually, um, Saul became tormented by an evil spirit. He went into bouts of just depression and, and uh, Saul tri twice tried to kill David by throwing a spear at him. Uh, but David escaped and, and wasn't hurt. And then David was, he came up with another plan. He said, I'm going to give my daughter to you, David, but you have to prove that you're a great warrior. So you have to go out and prove yourself to get my daughter's hand in marriage. As if David hadn't already proved himself, right? Um, he clearly had. And, and so he did that, hoping that David would get killed in battle. David went out and came back victorious. Um, and so what Saul actually did, and that's, he, says he actually gave his daughter to another man. So David was, was basically, was just a strategy to try to kill David. He did that a second time. But this time, his daughter Michael was so in love with David that finally he, 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 he agreed and he gave his daughter David um, to, to, her in to, to him in marriage. And so all these things, going from bad to worse, eventually David had to actually flee uh, for his life 
because he was just too worried about getting killed by the king. Let's just understand this. But the king was threatened by David. He may have been the king. He had all the authority in the land. But the hearts of the people loved David. And so there was this constant comparison that started. You, you may have heard it referred to as a curse of comparison. I want to take just a little bit of a different approach on comparison today and, and, and look at it as almost like as a sickness or almost as a disease of comparison where if we allow it to come into our lives, we can so easily uh, see damage happen. And so most diseases, I'm, I'm not too experienced in this, but we've probably got some people in, in healthcare. Who's, who's in healthcare? Wave your hands. Yeah, we've got a few. So right, diseases have symptoms. Diseases have causes. And diseases have cures, right? And so... That, that in a nutshell is my preaching this morning. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the symptoms. What, what happens when we allow that kind of disease of comparison to get into our hearts? Uh, I'm, I'm going to look at the causes and then we're going to look at the cure. So symptoms of comparison, first of all, well, the thing it does is it brings feelings of either inferiority or superiority. In, in, in Saul's case, it was inferiority, wasn't it? Even though he was king, he felt, I'm not in the hearts of the people. They don't love me like they love David. And, and so he felt inferior. But often comparing to others can make us feel superior as well. And that's just as damaging. So we may look at um, somebody with, you know, with a smaller house than ours, and, and we may say, well, they're just, they've not arrived, have they? I must be better than them because, because, because I've got a bigger house. I've got a better car. I've got... Um, you know, God has blessed me more. No, 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 no. That's not the case. We shouldn't compare because we shouldn't feel inferior because of how our life is, nor should we feel superior because of what our life has in it. And, and, and you know, we, we shouldn't relish the misfortune of others. Has anyone ever done that? Is anyone ever bold enough to say that? I'm bold enough. I'm holding my hand. I've sometimes relished in the misfortune of others because I look at them and, and, and comparing myself to them makes me feel superior. Hello? Can I tell you a story about the, um, the two weeks into my first position as a senior pastor of a church? Um, the, the youth pastor um, decided we had a conversation and he decided to leave and plant his own church in the same town just up the street. Okay? So he wasn't too happy about me being the pastor. He thought he should have been the pastor. Long story. But within two weeks, we had a conversation. He says, I'm planting a church just up the road. Wow. And let me tell you that um, at first, there was feelings of inferiority. Uh, in my, because this guy was in many ways more gifted and in many ways um, more experienced than me as a pastor. And, and it, feelings of inferiority comparing... Our, us with that church, we lost two families that went along with them. And, and so again, feelings of inferiority. That church lasted just over a year and then it closed doors. To my shame. Hello? I'm being vulnerable with you guys. There was a little bit of yes because he did it maliciously and he wanted to, to take people away. He did it maliciously and so... 
all of these things in my head and I'm thinking, yes. But I should, that, that was the wrong, wrong attitude, wasn't it? Not comparing other people's success, comparing other people's failure, helping us, making us feel either inferior or superior. It's the curse of comparison. And I had to repent for that and say, no, I'm not going to be comparing. I'm not going to compare myself either favorably or, or negatively with anyone. So that's the first thing it does. The next symptoms is it causes anger towards others and God. You see, when we're maybe not blessed as much as others, it causes us to feel sometimes resentment towards them and sometimes resentment even towards God. Because we know, if we're Christians, that we know God is in control of everything. So we know He's the giver of all good gifts, is He not? And so when he doesn't bless us or maybe our life doesn't look as great as the person next door, we can often find that we get anger towards God and anger towards other people. We develop even a distance between us and God because of that. It results in broken relationships. In in Saul's situation, it was broken relationship with David, wasn't it? because of the comparison, because that, that put a wedge in her relationship. Probably the person that should have been most supportive of Saul and was most supportive of Saul, Saul his general of his army, the a biggest one of Saul's biggest fans, but there was a wedge in there because Saul started comparing himself to David. But the other thing is that it, it makes us vulnerable to the uh, attack of Satan. You see, Saul, it, it says later on in the section of, that we read, it says Saul became tormented by an evil spirit and, and you know, he became pr- prone to bouts of depression, etc. It was a downward spi- spiral. But basically, for, for Saul, he took his eyes off of God. And, and, and so the moment we take our eyes off of God, the moment we allow anger with God, separation from God, we open ourselves up to the attack of the enemy, don't we? You see... We may be more than conquerors with Jesus. We believe that. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. But let me tell you, without Jesus, you're a sitting duck. You're a sitting duck. If you separate yourself, if you become angry with God and, and separate yourself, you're a sitting duck. And so this is what happened with, with Saul, that God allowed him to, to obviously come under the effect of this this evil spirit, and we can talk in probably a lot of detail on, on that if you're a theologian. Uh, but, um, but he was under the attack from the enemy. You see, Satan is very real. He is very real. And we, we sometimes, in the UK, one of his major strategies is, is kind of undercover uh, so that people don't realize he's real. Um, and a lot of people are ignorant to the fact that there is a Satan that there is an enemy. But let me tell you, uh, as we've traveled around the globe, we have seen the impact of many enemy of Satan. He is very real. Um, and if he is undercover uh, and not showing himself, that doesn't take away from the fact that he is real. And, and so we need to be aware that that comparison can ultimately cause the distance from God, which causes us to be vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. But we've looked at the symptoms, as it were, of those comparisons. But I want to look at the causes of comparison too. And I've 
I've got a few here that I've, I've written down. First of all, not accepting who God made you and called you to be. Not accepting who God made you and called you to be. You see, we, if we don't understand that God made us unique, then we can always easily fall into that comparison with other people. You're not like anyone else. So why compare? You're different from anyone else. So why compare? Can I say, even preachers get into this. Even preachers, we, it's so easy to fall into comparison with other preachers. And um, one of the hardest things if, you're, if, if you speak and you preach is, is listening to yourself preach. It can sound a little bit like kind of arrogant to listen to yourself, but really the greatest thing you can do is listen to yourself to try to improve. Um, and it, it's a healthy thing, but it is so hard. And Alini had a little bit of this just, just these weeks as she shared a testimony and she listened to herself back again and she was like, ah, <laughs> it's painful. To me, it sounded the same, but to her, it sounded so different. I hate listening to myself, but I've got used to it now. But the hardest thing for me listening to myself is comparing myself to other preachers. When, you, when you're listening to guys like Stephen Furtick, who's so smooth and eloquent and, and so passionate, and, and I just find myself wishing I was Stephen Furtick and not Stephen Robbins. Or maybe you're, you're, you're like T.D. Jakes. Um, who of you guys know T.D. Jakes? Yeah, I'm not going to ask if you're a fan or anything, but um, T.D. Jakes, is a, he's got this amazing personality, this amazing gifting, and this amazing booming voice. And sometimes I, I listen to T.D. Jakes, and I just wish, I wish I was like him, because he's a big guy and a booming voice. He just carries such authority. And so it, it, it seems like everything he says, he doesn't even have to reference it to the Bible. It just seems like, that is the Word of God. <laughs> Uh, if you know what I mean. And, and so sometimes I wish I had a T.D. Jakes voice. But we can't compare because we're all unique. You know, you need to find your uniqueness. Um, and if you don't, and if you try to be like... Some, if I was to stand up and try to be T.D. Jakes, you guys wouldn't like it. You might not like it anyway. But uh, you especially wouldn't like it if I tried to be T.D. Jakes. We need to find... Uh, ourselves and our uniqueness. But the other thing that causes uh, this comparison is, is, is not understanding who we are in Christ. You see, we forget that we're unique, yes, but also that we are chosen by God. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. That we're adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High. That's who we are in Christ. You're not just some person that is on the periphery that happened to happen by accident and you just didn't come around by accident. God has a purpose for you. He chose you. If you're a believer today, you're a son and you're a daughter of the Most High. Why compare yourself to anyone else? He's chosen you just like you are. He's taken you and taken you from, from, from nowhere and placed you into sonship. You're significant. You're significant to Him. If we don't get that realization, we so easily can fall into uh, comparison. But the other thing is covetousness and jealousy. And, and this is something that we, you know, we, we do have in our lives. It's something that, that the Bible is very clear we shouldn't have, but 
Unfortunately, it's so easy to covet other people's jobs, cars, houses. You know, we've probably all had that moment of pulling up at the traffic light and looking over and seeing the car next to us. And hopefully you've not dwelt on it and, and, uh, too, too much. But we, we, we all have those moments. It's important that we, we, hold, we hold that back, that we realize that God has blessed us with so many good things. You see, covetousness in many ways is, is, is ingratitude for what God has blessed us with. When we're grateful for what God has blessed us, it's almost the antidote uh, to, to, to covetousness. I remember that, um, you know, it was actually, I've said, I've already spoken about Stephen Furtick, but he said this, and um, he said that we compare the normality of our lives with the highlight reels from other people's lives. And so we look at their kind of highlight reels and we think, wow, I wish my life could, but, but we've not seen the rest of their lives. I remember this when in, we, we had a friend who, who in our church in Scotland who was really wealthy, you know, very successful, a lawyer and, and an amazing house. Um, and you think, God, wow, that's amazing. Um, but as I got to know him a little better, I realized I'm not willing to pay that price. This guy works seven days a week and, and, you know, he's in the office on a Sunday afternoon after church and, and, he's, and, and you know, he's in on a Saturday and he works late in the weeks. And, and, you know, it's not just that he happened to stumble across this mass. He works hard. Can I say, I'm, I'm out. I'm not willing to work that hard uh, to get material blessings. And I'm not criticizing. He's a great guy and he loves his family. He does all of these things, but he works hard. And so we often compare ourselves to the highlight reels and we don't realize the hard work that goes in the rest of their lives. So all of these things, the causes of comparison, not accepting that we're unique, that God has called us to be, be unique, not understanding who we are in Christ, and then letting these things like covetousness, ingratitude, jealousy uh, creep into our lives. But I just want to spend some time looking at the cure. So we've looked at symptoms, we've looked at the causes. Now let's look at the cure. The cure for that temptation to compare. And I go back to the life of David uh, with this for a, for a little bit because David faced a similar situation to what we read in, in that Saul was going through later on in his life where his son Absalom was looking, was a threat to his throne. And uh, it's interesting, the, the Bible says that Absalom stole the hearts of the people. Does it sound familiar in a way? David didn't steal them, but he, he had the hearts of the people. And so fast forward a few years, and here's David, the established king, with this young son of his who stole the hearts of the people, not through war and, and being a wonderful warrior and a valiant warrior, but just by, by being a smooth talker. Um, and when people would go to him and and, 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 you know, bow before him. He'd pick them up and he'd kiss their hand. And he was just Mr. Smooth. And so everyone loved Absalom. Uh, he stole the hearts of the people. And, and it's interesting to see David's reaction to this. Because obviously we've seen Saul's reaction, the comparison, he let it in. But what was David's uh, take on it? And he, he just kept a totally different attitude through it all. He could have easily fallen in to that trap. But... It says when, when this came to a head and David had to leave his palace and, uh, and so eventually the, the, two, you know, the two armies that they gathered 
came to war and, and, and David said this to, to, Absol- to, to the to soldiers as they went out to war. He said, be gentle with Absalom, please. Be gentle with him. And so obviously he was the father, wasn't he? But he kept the softness in his heart. And it said that when finally Absalom died, and there's quite a unique story in the Bible about how he actually died by riding under, under a tree and his hair getting caught in the tree. And he actually, he, he actually died that way. He, he basically hung by accident. And, and, and it says that David wept. He wept out, my son, my son, I wish it was me rather than you. I wish it... so, so here's this difference of attitude when the comparison comes in. When, when he's under threat, he has a totally different attitude. So how does, does David cure the comparison, as it were? And, and there's just three things I want to say on this. is, is firstly that he, he glorifies God. He glorifies God. In Psalm 3, and it's not going to come up on the screen, but um, I'll read it to you. If you just listen, it's a Psalm of David, which is, is written when he was fleeing from his son Absalom. So right in the middle of what I've just described, says this, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. My glory the one who lifts my head high. I called out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. You know, Jared touched on this um, and, and he, he mentioned it that yes, we see David in his his turmoil. We see David in his difficult circumstances, but always he turns his eyes back to God, doesn't he? He always turns his eyes back and he says, but God, even though I'm going through this, even though I can easily compare, God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to glorify you, God, because you haven't changed. He's a firm foundation. God hasn't changed. And so we glorify God even in those temptations to make comparisons between us and others. Keep your eyes firmly focused on God. So that's the first cure to comparison. But the other thing is, is be thankful. And you see, David, we can read in the Psalms, he, he was thankful to God for everything that God had done. I think that a lot of David's thankfulness was really through a humility that grew in him through his own mess-ups, through his own sins and, and, and the times that he messed up. You know, David committed adultery, killed a man, killed the husband of, of Bathsheba and, and, and was humbled through that to realize we don't deserve anything. You know, can I say that to you? If you think you deserve the blessings of God, you don't, Sorry. I don't, you don't, we're all sinners, we all, all have failed, and, and, and yet God still blesses us, graciously blesses us. He blesses us with eternal life. He blesses us with so many other blessings, family, church, loved ones around us. You know, we need to be thankful. David was thankful to the Lord for everything that he'd been given because, you see, God would have been justified earlier on to take that, that king, kingdom 
take his throne away from him with that sin that he'd committed. But God had grace upon him and left him there. And David was grateful. So instead, when he was chased out of town by his, his young pretender son, he, he didn't make the comparison. He didn't complain. Um, and he, he continued being thankful to God for what he'd given him. You know, I, I, I often, it's either Alini or I, we pray with our boys when we put them to bed at night. And, and so a few weeks back, I was, I was praying with the boys and Lucas and, and Max share a room. So I went in and, and um, I said to, to the boys, to Lucas first, I said, Lucas, um, what are you thankful for? Um, you know, let's, as we pray, let's thank Jesus for something. What are you thankful for? Um, and he said, I'm thankful for me. <laughs> as Lucas said. And, and at first, my reaction as a dad was like, come on, you can think of something better to thank God for. Maybe even mummy. I mean, mummy's great. Or maybe you could thank God for food on the table or something kind of righteous like that. And then I, I started thinking through it. I said, no, thank you for you, Lucas. Like that, that's a word of wisdom right there. You know, we need to be thankful for ourselves, thankful for who God made us. And so I'm going to get you all to say that. God, you're going to say it after me, God, thank you for me. Can we say that? Thank you for me. Words of wisdom from a six-year-old. You know, we need to be thankful for who God made us, for what he's blessed us with. And as we do so, we will find a cure to the temptation of, of comparison. But the other thing I want to say is, as I draw to a close here, is, 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 is let God renew your mind. Let God renew your mind. You probably know Romans 12 too very well. And I'm going to read it just from the New Living Translation because it gives a, a slightly different spin on things and I like it in this version. Um, and it's going to come up on the screen. It says this, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So it's a change in mindset. The renewing of the mind, the change in mindset, not behaving like the world behaves, but behaving like God would have us behave. It's, you know, we were told in, in the Bible to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. It's a different mindset to the world, isn't it? Where we're told to look after yourself first, and then if you've got anything else, you can look after others. You know, we probably find that in other areas as well. You know, turn the other cheek where we're told just make them pay. You look after yourself. If you get, you get hit, you want to hit them back, hurt them back. Stand up for yourself. So it's a different mindset that we're encouraged to have. But I love the fact that it says in that, in that scripture, it says, let God transform you into a new person. So it's not self-effort. It's saying, God, transform me. It's saying, Holy Spirit, transform me because He's the one that takes us and, and changes us. It's not by human effort. It's by the work of the Spirit. As, he, as, he, as we open ourselves up to Him, He comes in and He changes us. He changes our attitude. He makes us more thankful. He, he, he makes us realize just who we are, that God has called us, that God has made us unique, and that we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Are we going to let the Holy Spirit have his way? Uh, you let, are we going to let God 
change us into what he would have us be.